Jesus, we just thank you for this amazing opportunity we have to uh, gather together as community, as family, to celebrate everything you are in our lives, to eat a meal together, to share this nice, cool, amazing June afternoon. We just ask that through today's teaching, through our conversations, through our time together, that each of us just feels closer to one another and closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Sirens in the background, wow. Uh, welcome to Bloom. We got a, a couple of new faces, I guess. So uh, we do things a little different as a community. We do discussion-based teaching, and so I'll talk for maybe like 20 minutes, and then we'll just have an open discussion. You can share thoughts, questions, concerns, whatever. Uh, you can just be a fly on the wall or feel free to be a part of it, but it's... Um, we find it's a better way to be in community, to learn, to grow, to not just listen in here, but to engage in the conversation, engage in the process, and lend your perspective to it. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. We have a potluck afterwards today, and you're more than welcome to uh, join in. We'll have plenty of good food. Uh, we won't have music this morning. We normally have uh, music, but the three guitar players, one is working, one's out of town, and one's in the Pride festival today, so we'll just, since it's potluck, we'll just have more time for that, but we do have communion elements, and so we will, uh, we usually take communion during that time, and we will find a time after uh, the discussion before going into prayer circles to take that. Prayer circles are the other thing, we'll finish with circles of eight, sharing any prayers or thoughts or thankfulness that we have on our week to just spend some time in community together, but I guess I will roll. If you didn't get a little sheet of paper, the verses are on there, they're right behind me. There's hot coffee today, not cold, since it's, what a June day, huh? This is Minnesota. I I am not complaining, though. This feels nice. Rather this than 117 in Las Vegas this last week? Holy cow, that is some crazy heat. I don't know if I could even survive that. But I wanted to talk about uh, uh, fragile or fragility uh, especially when it comes to our faith today, because it seems to keep coming up in conversations over and over lately, and I just felt like we needed a good old grace message again. Um, uh, I was helping some people move last year, and there was, ton, there was tons of stuff. So you see someone's house, and then you help them move, and you're like, where did you put all this other stuff? There are lots of extra boxes, heavy boxes. And I got one mother of a heavy box and uh, I'm like what is in this box and it's oh it's my it's my grandmother's china and I'm like oh awesome I have never seen this out in your house no it always stays in this box because it means so much to me it always stays in this box because it means so much to you yeah grandma's china like I look like I if I ever broke it I don't know what I would do but do you go visit it some like where was this in the base it was in the base in the club like you visit the china then and kind of just take it out and look at it no I haven't really even touched it since we moved in, I don't know, 15 years before that. And I'm like, you, have you ever even used Grandma's China? Well, we're saving it for a special occasion. That's not the question. Have we ever used Grandma's China? Well, not yet. I'm like, well, when's it? 15 years it's been sitting in the basement. When is the special occasion that we're going to take Grandma's China out? And they're so afraid that it's going to break at any moment that they don't. Instead of just using it and enjoying it and making something of it, um, We've got, uh, anytime there's any 
one of our birthdays or just even a day that we want to relax and so we made cinnamon rolls or something they always come out on Amy's grandma's china like it's like all right we're eating cinnamon rolls we're doing this thing right like let's let's make this thing happen but this uh, this fear keeps my friend's china locked away in this heavy brown box in the basement uh, instead of just using it and I think the same goes with our faith sometimes I think we are afraid so many times that it's fragile, that asking certain questions or finding out answers or entering into a dialogue is going to shake things up where all it's going to break all of a sudden, that it's going to unravel everything we knew about God, it's going to rock our world where we don't know what to do any longer. We hold it so close and boxed up in a certain way of looking at things that we're nervous about widening that perspective or having a deeper conversation or doing things. Um, when I talk to people about grace, uh, especially fear-based, um, maybe Christian followers who are, are, are holding it more like fear, they get really nervous. Like, well, if, if, if God's forgiven you, you can't tell people God's forgiven you because then they're just going to sin all they want to and then just run crazy. And you're like, okay, yeah. So Jesus was wrong in the New Testament, and we need to re-police, and he wasn't correct. It's this nervous that, that one new sin... Is this going to break everything? One problem, one slip. Is this God just loses control? He's like this. You see those Buddha statues? They're like made of brass a lot of times. They look heavy. They don't. He's fat. He's just kind of sitting there. I think Jesus statues is like are like those Catholic ones. It's it's this glass thing that if you tip it funny, Jesus is going to shatter just instantly. Like he's only good for so much, and he's just breakable. So we have to hold him so carefully. We're talking about the divine here, the God of the universe that holds everything together. I have conversations with other pastors on our stance as a church on LGBTQ being open and affirming, and they're just like, oh my, that just unravels the gospel. I'm like, unravels the gospel? Like, so it's Jesus plus this one sin that it just, we can't, that's where we lose it all. Like, this one thing just unravels the rest of it. The love, the sacrifice Jesus made, the demonstration of who God is for that's all just gone to waste because we, we allowed one quote-unquote sin to enter the picture. Uh, not even saying we call it that, but that's, that's what they're thinking. One, one little drop of something just spoils the entire message. And I'm, it gets me thinking, like, what kind of message is that? What kind of God whose foundation is, is T-China? can we hold on to and have faith in and look forward to and go for it, it, like teach China faith. That's what we're talking about. But I really wanted to bring a cup and I forgot it this morning. I was going to be drinking coffee out of a China cup this morning. He gets it. He's upset as well. Like this is just, uh, but this is what we're talking about. Faith in something solid or fear in something that's breakable. Like what are, do we have foundation that's something that's solid, that's unbreakable, that's something that's life-giving, that is a message that's called the good news, not good news sort of, or good news for some people, or good news if, it's just called the good news of Jesus, and it spread like wildfire when it first came up, but it, it, it spread from even children and those on the fringes of society who needed it and to hear it, and it was simple to share, and now we've complicated it. And we made it so fragile or we're so fearful about it, we don't even want to dive into it too much. I'll let someone who's a professional dive into it, and I'll just trust everything they say. Instead of just dialoguing and talking and finding our own faith and, and seeing what's going on, is it something we can hold tight to? 
Uh, we need to know that what we hold on to is indestructible. It's unshakable. It's not fragile. Uh, it's not something you need to be afraid of. It's not something you need to be boxed up and protect it. It's, it's unshakable, and it is good news. Um, I want to start with Matthew 7. He says, those people who are listening to me, the people who hear what I say, this is Jesus saying here, and live according to my teachings, you're like a wise man who's built his house on a rock, on a firm foundation. When the storms hit, rain pounded down, and the water rose, and the levees broke, and the winds beat all the walls of the house. But this house did not fall because it was built upon rock. Those of you who are listening and do not hear, you're like a fool who builds his house on sand. And the storm comes to this house. What will happen? The rain will fall, the waters will rise, the wind will blow, and this house will collapse with a great, cr- with a great crash. I also put just a piece of the message in there. He says, the words I speak are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements of your standard of living, these are foundational words, words to build a life upon. And so he gives us this picture, and we've heard it a million times when storms come. But are the storms questions? Are the storms sins? Are the storm, what are they? What, what, what is shaking your foundation in the love of God that surpasses anything else? And if there is, if there's, if there's things that can come that you're nervous about, uh, we, we've got to look at what the foundation's made of. We've got to reassess the divine who's created all of us, and hopefully in your mind, in the image of love and in beauty, in, in expanding that beauty, not in fear and judgment and turmoil and coming forward. Um, like an angry, like the old angry man with lightning bolts just ready to throw. It's, it's completely opposite. I put Ephesians on the sheet as well for us. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For it's by God's grace that you've been saved. You receive it through faith. It was not our plan or our effort. It is God's gift, pure and simple. You didn't earn it. Not one of us did. So don't go around bragging that you must have done something amazing. It really is a gift, and it's an unshakable gift. This isn't something that your performance is going to change. One day you're going to accidentally find out that you were doing the secret sin that unravels everything for Jesus. No, it's a gift. It was not predicated on anything you did or predicated on anything you're going to do in the future, just on faith, receiving this amazing gift of God. If we look at John 10, 25-30, Jesus says, I've told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name tell the truth about me, but you don't listen. You lack faith because you're not my sheep. My sheep respond because they hear my voice, and I know them intimately, and they follow me. I give them a life that's unceasing, and death will not have the last word. Nothing or no one can steal them from my hand. My Father has given this flock to me, and he's superior to all beings and things. No one is powerful enough to snatch the flock from my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. And so my question then is, nothing or no one can steal them from my hand if we enter into this gift from Jesus, this good news. What... Nothing or what someone is the thing that's making your faith fragile? Or do we have a grounding in nothing and no one? And I'll hear some people say, well, okay, I'll, I'll take it no one else, but I can screw this up. You are a someone, and it says nothing and no one can take you from the Father's hands. If Mia, my daughter, 19 years old, decides to abandon me as a father, 
I renounce you as father. You are no longer a part of my life. And runs away. Uh, there is no part of me that will renounce her as my daughter. I will be looking and searching and looking to repair. At all times, there's no uh, document that could be signed. There's nothing that could happen that would ever remove her from being my child. Yet, the divine God sometimes would put a costume on him that says, he's worse of a father than I am. Well, she didn't clean her room. And so maybe she shouldn't be your kid anymore. And we laugh like, okay, clean your room, Luke. That's, that's funny. But we pick the dumbest stuff sometimes <laughs> to decide that it's, that's the one thing that, you know. But the, there's one verse in there that says, but if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that's the one. Well, there's another verse that says the Holy Spirit is what ties you and holds you and seals you till the end until Christ. So which one is it? Is it you can say one thing and you just make the Holy Spirit mad? Or does he really seal you, completely hold you tight until the end? Because well, what's the message that Jesus brings? What's the overall picture here? What, what's been lost in translation or something else? What is the message of Christ? Is it you or is it him? Is it fragile or is it firm? Is it this rock that he's talking about or something else? Um, in John 10, uh, no, Hebrews 10, which is a fantastic uh, book all about pretty much this. It's all about, is, is salvation shaky? Is this gift from God? Is this eternal promise something that is flexible or is it once for all time? Is it is it grounded? Is it something we can be assured of? In verse 10, in Hebrews 10, he says, By God's will we are made holy through the offering of the body of the anointed once for all time. Not again when you screw up and decide to come back again. It's once for all time. In verse 12, he says, But after he stepped up to offer this single sacrifice for sins for all time, he sat down, which is a fantastic picture of Jesus. I imagine his feet are out his hands are back. He's got some hot coffee. In my mind, he has a pipe, but you know, you can have your own picture. He's taking it easy. He's done the work once for all time. Verse 14, with one perfect offering, Jesus has per perfected forever those who are being made holy. One perfect offering, perfected forever. I love these, these, these words, perfected once for all time. There, there, there's a permanence to this that we need to get our minds around that needs to be the foundation that anything else we build a life of loving others, a life of being the hands and feet of Jesus, if it's not on this unshakable foundation uh, there's nothing else in verse 17 he says, I will erase their sins and wicked acts of my memory as though they had never existed, and in verse 18 says, when there's forgiveness such as this there's no longer any need to make an offering for sin when there's forgiveness such as this, such permanent, so powerful, so loving, so beyond anything we're used to in the fickleness of our human emotions, how they can sway depending on if we're hungry or the temperature in the room or a million other things. His is a, is a forgiveness and a perfection that passes all of that, that's, that's permanent, that wants to give us something. In verse 21, it says, Since we have such a great high priest who presides over the house of God. Let us draw near then with true hearts full of faith because of all we've been talking about. 
because of all this permanence, because of all these promises. Let's draw near with hearts full of faith, with hearts rinsed clean of any evil conscience. I love that. Hearts rinsed clean. This is what this permanence should be doing from us, is rinsing us of any of this, this evil consciousness, this original sin, this you're bad, and reminding you that you've been made in the image of the divine. You are love, just as he is. This is who we are at our core. And anything else is a falsehood, is something that's been, uh, someone's tried to, to put on you, but th- those clothes don't fit. Um, he says, let's hold strong with the confession of our hope, never wavering, since the one who's promised it to us is faithful. Let us consider then how to inspire each other to greater love and to righteous deeds, not forgetting to gather as a community, as some have forgotten, but encouraging each other, especially as the day of his return approaches. It's bringing us to this place where we can have such confidence, Hebrews is saying, that we can start to inspire each other to greater works, to greater love, to doing and being the hands and feet of Jesus. But it comes from this place of being a community that's completely grounded in what Jesus did was enough. What Jesus did was permanent. What Jesus did has forever perfected each and every one of us. And so do we see ourselves as forever perfected? And yes, we've got a, a flesh, a body that has cravings and that has whatever, but our spirit has been perfected. And it is in there. And it says at times it seems like it's waging war with what your stomach wants or what our desires are, but this is the true self. And he says, and this self is grounded in, in, in a permanence, in a cleansing, in a peace with God that passes any understanding. Can we live from that? What does it look like when we live from this place? Can we have this firm foundation, or is there something else? And maybe we'll come to it in discussion. Is there a question that makes faith fragile for you, where, where it turns God into a teacup, that if we drop him... Or if we put something wrong in it, or if we heat it up too fast, or if we... Like, there's so many formulas out there. I hear so many formulas. It's, it's, it can actually even be depressing when you see someone like, how have we come to this place with such a simple message? The kids should be able to tell each other about it. We've turned it into a maze of what-ifs or buts or... Um, I have a friend who's a minister who I, I referenced something he wrote a while back. I made a note of it in my phone and went back to it before this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's good. I needed to read that again. And then you go to the comment section, and someone pulls up just one verse of the whole Bible. Yeah, but it says this. And you're, they're missing the con- – like they, it's like they skipped reading the entire book. Someone told them this one verse. They pull it out of context, and they think it unravels all of this. Like it, it just unravels it all, one little thing. It's just that one straw that broke the camel's back. That God is just holding on by a thread. It's a heavy, and it seems permanent, but there's one thread. And if that thread breaks, if we make that one mistake as a community, then it just shatters. And the gospel is lost, and just thousands of years of hope in Jesus have just been been lost over. And I'm trying to actually be sarcastic in a way that's like, yeah, this is ridiculous. If we get this far, like this is, we can have faith and God together. We should encourage that with one another. We should be a part of what is going on, that, that reminder that there is something solid underneath this. Because there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. There seems Our world seems to be shakable at the moment. Our government seems to be at, uh, we're, we're at a split down the middle of people believing one thing or the other, and, and there seems to be this tension and this chaos, and it doesn't seem to be firm in a fixed foundation. Yet we have something we can rely on and latch on to. And it seems like even for some, 
that is spiraling out of control and we've forgotten the simple message that gives hope that gives a foundation that gives us this place to be like no this is why this is where we love from because it says love after this once you understand this once it permeates you once it inspires you and you have this sense of assurance then we can go and inspire each other to act greater acts of love greater acts of kindness greater acts of being and creating the kingdom of heaven around us today John 3:17 He says, here's the point. God didn't send his son into the world to judge it. Instead, he is here to rescue a world headed towards certain destruction. It's not this this looking and this finding who's wrong and we have to tell them. It's about seeing such an immovable beauty that we are attached to, that we're given, that causes us to change our life and inviting others as a part of it. And maybe even not inviting others, but our actions speak louder than words. Our actions draw them and have them ask the right questions and and show them a side of life that seems unaccessible at times with how fickle everything else seems to be going around us. And so for us today as a community, as we talk about this, how do we develop this? How do we develop this assurance? How do we develop this foundation? So it is sure it's not this teacup that we're hiding in a brown box because we're afraid that if we ask the right questions or the wrong questions or a certain question that we're supposed to put on a shelf and just not think about because it just stirs up too many things. That we're talking about the Almighty here, the one who has created everything, who has... Uh, I even... I love the part in Job where he questions God at one point. He's like, were you there when I created the seas and the heavens and thunder? Were you there at the moment that the earth was fixed together? He's like, I've... I've this is... This is my garden that I started tending. This is my flower bed. This is my beauty, my creation. This isn't my mess. This isn't my mistake. And he's like, you've been made in my image. You've been gifted with, with even a consciousness that's, that's free from thinking you're evil or bad, that, that realizes you're good. And he says, from this place, from this assurance that we are good people, together we can meet, we can inspire, we can still continue to expand this garden, expand this creation of the world that started how many billion years ago I don't know um, but it's I, scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing we need to be talking about this reminding each other this has to be the foundation for no matter any conversation we have God is good God is love God has done everything in his power to connect us to remove any separation to atone for any mistakes that we would have made because we can screw up we can do stuff that's hurt one another that hurts our neighborhood that hurts lots of people and he says I'm atoning for that personally and I'm inspiring you and I want you to get your eyes off of the mistakes you've made and onto the possibilities we have together and so it's this this talking about love, talking about light talking about the simplicity of this talking about his actions and not ours it's, it's together this constant reminder that we need and we take communion today Jesus' last supper before he leaves, he, he shares communion, they break bread, and he says, anytime you have this meal, and this was a very common meal for this, every time you're together eating, I want you to remember me, because you need this reminder constantly that it's me and it's not you. And so as we together today take communion, as we dip the bread and the wine, it's, it's something physical, it's something tangible for us to put our mind around. This is, yes, again, it's that reminder I needed that it's all of Jesus and it's not me. It's all God, and it's all his amazingness, and it's not anything I've done. I've actually seen a shift lately in people's conversations. When we first started Bloom, 
it seemed like people were all about Jesus, but that could not, they were frustrated with the church and didn't want anything to do with it. And lately, the conversations I have about spirituality with people, they are fine with a God being up there, but this idea of Jesus is just something that they detest. And you're like, what have, what has, have you been told about Jesus that it's, it's becomes detestable? Like, how polluted have we changed this message and we turned it into something that it's not, to something that is, is making people feel shaky, is making people feel fearful, is making people feel like they're dirty and disgusting. Like, these are things people run from. No wonder they don't want God. They're, they're looking at something that scriptures call anti-Christ, anti-Jesus. And it says as time moves on, there's not going to be just anti-God. It's going to be this anti-Jesus movement. This, and this is where we find our beauty and where we find our main inspiration and our unshakableness and bloom. So we're going to keep talking about what he's done we're not going to hide from hard questions because if anything's rooted in him, it's, we're going to find beauty in it. We're going to find a way to be inspired and to find hope and to bring ourselves out of it. Um, it will develop confidence in this assurance of salvation, this assurance that you and God are right. That if there is a great beyond that comes after death, that we are all invited to be a part of it. It's not anything we've done. It's something out of his great love. Philippians 1, 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus. It's not even us that are completing any changes or any inspiration. He's still wooing and changing and working on the inside of us, and it's trusting in that that gives us our strength. It's trusting in that that's what made Bloom such a beautiful place to belong to. Um, and let this catapult us into being something more than that, like it says, it's having this assurance, it's having this peace, it's having this mindset that doesn't have condemnation, that brings us to the place where we can gather often, we can inspire each other to love differently, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to create the kingdom of heaven here, right now, not someday, but right now with our actions, with our love, with our hugs, with our words, with our listening to someone's story, and empathizing and having compassion with them. This is where the beauty of the kingdom comes from. And then Bloom, it's, it's sharing life together where this starts. It's seeing each other's family. It's having a meal. It's coming and sharing food and bringing something that you bought or you made or partaking even if you didn't because you realize that this is your community. It's not just what you bring. It's, 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 it's being a part of this as a whole. And so it's partaking together and sharing of a meal, a part of our lives, our stories, our prayers, and even our celebrations together that, that start this happening. Man, I am shivering. I can't even read my words on the page. Uh, this kind of love, this kind of conversation will permeate. It'll change us. It'll glow. There's a reason the Bible talks about it being light, that we don't have to hide, that we don't have to put in a box. Just let it come out. Like, there's some beauty in this that, that resonates with people. They see it. They... They can't hide them. They know when your actions are following the divine, when we're following Jesus, there's something that just clicks with everyone that says, this, there's something right about this. And yeah, if their actions are completely anti-Jesus, it's, it's going to look weird. They're going to want nothing to do with that. They're going to run from it because one connects with who we are at the core, the spirit that we're made of, and one is completely the opposite of that. Jesus, we just pray that we can have a discussion around this, that we can live this out together, that we can leave today being inspired and more grounded in who you are and where we've come from and where we're going. We just ask that as we eat, as we dialogue, as we talk, as we share prayers with maybe even tears with what's going on in the shaky world around us, that we will find an assurance and a confidence and a hope in your community, in your hands and feet, in your body, 
that as we eat together, that as we celebrate, that each of us does feel and see a little bit more of a piece of your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.